0: Let us all pray. O God, our Heavenly Father, we rejoice in the gift of this great and gracious day. It is our triumphant holy day, and it is so because the Lord Jesus has triumphed for us. We pray that you will make us to know all that this means so that our lives may be all that they're meant to be to the purposes of your kingdom. Please take these gifts which we bring to thee this day, superintend their use, and grant that they may bring honor and glory to your name and help and mercy to many people. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. Our second lesson is taken also from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 24, beginning at verse 13 following. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Himaeus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them but they were kept from recognizing him. And he asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one living in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. And how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he departed from their sight. and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Amen. Thirty-three years ago, this Easter, on Easter Sunday, I preached the first Easter sermon that I ever preached in the Montreat Church. This today will probably be the last sermon that I will preach on Easter Sunday as Pastor Of the Montree church I know that and so a lot of memories have come back to my mind I remember that I preached on this very same text in 1962 when I preached on Easter Sunday it was a fiery sermon I remember that clearly because right in the middle of it the superintendent of the maintenance crew came in the back of the church and said that a fire was coming over the mountain and was going to get us in Montreat, and all able-bodied men were to get up and leave the service and go fight the fire. And it came up to look out in rainbow. And God was good to us. Uh, we were able to get the fire out. Now, I got interrupted that Sunday, so I hope I'll be forgiven if I pick up and say some of the same things that I've said. I don't suppose many of you will remember 33 years, what was spoken. Uh, this This is one of my... Very favorite of all passages of Scripture. If I could go back in the Bible and be someone in the Scriptures, I would love to have been one of those two disciples who walked along the road to Emmaus and had Jesus himself draw near. And I'll tell you why. All of us go through experiences in life when our hearts are broken When tragedy that's unreasonable and unexplainable and terrible and horrible hits us and we are disillusioned and wonder if God has forsaken us, we wonder how we can bear it and our breath is taken away. And yet these men who had seen the one whom they had loved most in all this life and had gone up to Jerusalem with hearts so full of joy, just knowing that here at this great Passover festival that was conducted that week, that he was going to be proclaiming himself as king. And instead, he proclaimed himself king, but it was king not in the way they wanted, not in the way they expected. He was betrayed. He was spat upon. He was beaten. A crown of thorns were placed on his head. He was nailed to a Roman cross. And the cross was lifted up in its dreadful socket in the earth. And the intense suffering and the cries of agony and the howling mob. And all that had taken place had completely broken their hearts. And they came away, disillusioned, with their hopes destroyed, confused and bewildered by what they had heard. And as they walked along, leaving Jerusalem, wishing for all the world that they had never gone up there, a stranger drew near and walked along with them. And in all the history of earth, time never passed so sweetly. Because this stranger speaks to them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast, and one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one living in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? Everyone knows what's taken place in Jerusalem. Imagine asking that stranger that question. Are you the only one who doesn't know what happened on Friday in Jerusalem? A Jesus who was not recognized by them begins to sensitively probe and bring them into the conversation what things he asks, And then they tell him about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed. They would have said to him, we can remember seeing lepers screaming and ringing their bell and shouting, unclean, unclean. He touched them, and they went away clean and whole. A blind man screamed at him. He put some mud on his eye and told him to go and wash, and he washed and came seeing. Crippled people were brought into his presence. Dead people were raised. Multitudes were fed. We thought he was another Moses. We thought he would lead us away from the oppressive Romans. But instead, they nailed him on a cross. We hoped, they said, that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, now they're confused. It's the third day since all this took place. And in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Now watch what he says. How foolish you are. And how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things? And then enter his glory. And then beginning with Moses. I've often tried to imagine what he would have said about Moses. I remember when Nicodemus came to him under the cloak of darkness. And Jesus had said to him, Except the Son of Man be lifted up. Lifted up means to be put on a cross. He said to Nicodemus, As the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness and those who looked at it and lived, so when the Son of Man is lifted up on that banner staff, that cross, those who look at him will live. How was he in all of the Old Testament scriptures? He was in every sacrifice that was made. Every time a lamb was laid upon the altar and slain, it spoke that one day he would come and make the full and final atonement for our sins. That's what it was saying to us. When you pick up those little elements at communion, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood. Yes, he's all through the Old Testament. Isaiah 53, which Philip will later preach to the Ethiopian and explain to him how Jesus is the fulfillment of all that Isaiah prophesied of one who would be wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, that by his stripes we would be healed. Well, when they got to... Emmaus. It seemed as though Jesus would continue his journey, but by this time these disciples had their hearts overflowing. Never in all their life had such an experience come to them. And so they said to him, stay with us, for it is toward the evening and the day is far spent. I can still remember going one time with Some of the folks here that are here this morning, Dr. Stafford, Ivan Stafford, and I, and some boys, we went up to Mount Mitchell and got out on the parkway and walked down back into Montreat on Easter Sunday afternoon. And I thought about the walk from Jerusalem back to Emmaus. And I thought, Jesus walked along with these people He explained to his disciples, these disciples must have been part of the 70 or the 120. There were some people who had heard Jesus somewhere speaking, and had followed him. So they asked him, we've got to talk some more. I've had people whose hearts were hungry for God, who have caught hold of me and said, I've got to talk to you. Please. And we went aside, and those people got touched by the Lord in a very real and wonderful way. He opened their eyes. We're told here that when they were at the table, he took bread. Now this forms uh, almost an order of worship. He took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. Just like communion. There was something special about it. And when he put his hands out, they could see the nail prints in his hands. And their eyes were opened. And look at what they said. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. This week's, last week's Time magazine had a cover story on our miracles can we still believe in miracles I read that with a great deal of interest because there was a a group of liberal scholars who get together and debate whether or not the resurrection of Jesus really happened and if they don't believe it they put in a black marble and if it's a possibility they put in a pink marble and if it's a uh, almost a certainty they put in a red marble That's not the way you do it. That's not the way you learn about whether or not Jesus rose from the dead. He speaks to us. He spoke to these two. He showed them from the scriptures what had been predicted. They got up and returned to Jerusalem. And they found those eleven assembled together and saying, It is true. The Lord has risen. He has appeared to Simon, and then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. What does this say to our world? This is a book I've been reading about Nikolai, uh, about Vladimir Lenin. Lenin was, has fascinated me for years, and I've always wanted to go and uh, see Russia, and I never have. Listen to what Lenin said in 1918 electricity will take the place of God. Let the peasant pray to electricity. He's going to feel the power of the central authorities more than that of heaven. That's what Lenin said in 1918. As a 16-year-old boy, he took off the cross from his head and threw it into the trash can. He persecuted the church. He hated God. In the great cathedral of Christ the Savior in Moscow, which was to Moscow what Notre Dame is to Paris and what St. Peter's Cathedral is to Rome, Stalin, in memory of Lenin, had it blown to smithereens and taken down. And he intended to erect a gigantic statue of Lenin. But where is Lenin now? Lenin's moldy corpse does not attract as many people as McDonald's hamburger joint, according to Time magazine. He said economic determinism, economy determines everything, he thought. Well, they are bankrupt. It's determined that it's no good there. Dialectical, two people talking, a, a dialectical materialism, it's gone. It's garbage. It and the pitiful thing is that 20 to 30 million people were slaughtered on the idol that Karl Marx and Lenin sought to perpetrate and that Stalin followed. And God only knows how close we came to nuclear war then and how close we may be to it now by the hatred and the grisly nationalism that's all over Eastern Europe. And so it's time for someone to go back and get the scriptures and open them. Well I want to bring this to a close. While they were still talking about this, that's all of these disciples in the upper room Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. He emphasizes his sufferings for us. If the cross of Jesus does not move you, if the fact that he died for your sins does not warm your heart, Something is wrong with you, deep in your soul. And if it does move you, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are here today, and there comes into your mind the dark memories of something awful that you did, you may know that just as really as Jesus died for you, just as really may that sin be completely forgiven and that he will take you where you are and he will make you what you ought to be. He showed them his hands and he showed them his feet. And while they still did not believe because of joy and amazement, he said to them, Do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Now the liberals tell us that the resurrection of Jesus is a spiritual resurrection. Spirits don't eat fish. If this was teaching a spiritual resurrection, that's the dumbest possible way to teach it he took fish and ate it in their presence and said, I am as real as this fish is real. Then he opened their minds. He opened their eyes to see who he really was. He opened the scriptures to teach them that they were to believe in the atonement, that he was wounded for our transgressions, Ruse for our iniquities that by his stripes we are healed. My old mother never even went to the third grade in school. She could barely read and write. I can still see my mama taking a pencil and moistening it to write something. The only book I ever saw her really read was the Bible. And my mother had a favorite song. You know what it was? Jesus. Paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. All oh, Lenin's kingdom failed because it's completely contrary to the kingdom of Christ. Any kingdom that sets itself in opposition to him is doomed to fail because he rules in our hearts And he rules in our minds. He opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. That Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Now look, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Now this I want you to catch. What are we commanded to preach? We are commanded to preach repentance. We are not commanded to preach a prosperity gospel that if you follow Jesus, everything is going to just be fine. No, we are told to preach repentance, which is a a changed mind, a new orientation, a new way of looking at life. A new way of thinking of others. We are told here that we are to preach repentance in his name. Repentance and then come under his lordship. The no gods like Lenin and Marx. The no gods like the materialism in America. The other day some crazy man on Larry King Live uh, said that Judge Ito was the greatest judge in the history of the world. Pontius Pilate, Pontius Pilate made a judgment about Jesus and his name is spoken by billions just because he was in the presence of the Lord Jesus for a few minutes on that dreadful Friday morning, not judge, either. television is like sky writing. everybody sees it but it blows away. He speaks to our minds and hearts. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. That is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So the three openings. He opened their eyes. He opened their minds. He opened the scriptures. May I say today that if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you would open your mind to that this day, open your heart to the truth of the gospel, Romans 10 and 9 says it beautifully, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. Saved. That's a good word. I know people who say, well, I never knew I was lost. Take it on faith. You are. (laughs) But you have a Savior. That's the good news. And the good news is that the Savior is here today. You can open your heart to him. And you can give as much of yourself as you know how to give to as much of him as you can understand. You can speak with Richard and me at the close of the service. You can go home and get your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 24 and read it. You can open it to Isaiah 53 and read it. You can know that the Bible says, Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. He will come to you. Let us conclude our service at this time. Tom, I'm going to change the last hymn. I want us to sing Onward Christian Soldiers. After you preach like this, somebody ought to go out and do something for the Lord. And and 350 is the hymn I want to sing. Onward Christian Soldiers. All four stanzas. Look at your bulletin. My beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, for Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen. Let us pray. Oh God, our Father, we have celebrated the resurrection of Your Son, Jesus Christ, from the dead. And now we pray that He will live and rule over our minds and our hearts and our bodies. We pray that we may show the love of Jesus to others, that we may live in true faithfulness to Him, that we may bear an unashamed testimony to His goodness and glory make us by your grace what we ought to be for him. And now unto him who loved us and loosed us from our sins by his own blood and hath made us to be kings and priests unto God, unto him be all glory, honor, and praise both now and forevermore.